It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise we are going to have a lot of fun. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. One year ago this month, my dad passed away. It was unexpected because he had been healthy his entire life, and I don't recall him ever missing work due to illness. And he and mom uh, have enjoyed retirement, and mom is still with me, thankfully, but uh, missing dad a lot lately. And for the last 12 months, life has been a massive adjustment. For those of you that have lost a parent as well, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I chose to channel that pain eventually into a book called The Greatest Lessons I Learned From My Dad. Writing it was a therapeutic experience, and now I'm working on the greatest lessons I learned from my mom, and that's due out in April. I want that to come out before Mother's Day. Both of these are collaborative projects that involved other authors sharing their experiences. If you want to participate in a book project like this, please join my Facebook group, Authorpreneur Live. We'll be doing many more projects just like this. And if you have not gotten The Greatest Lessons I Learned From My Dad, it is on Amazon. Uh, the Kindle version is available. The paperback version is available. I've had a lot of great feedback. Leave a review. That would be fantastic. But get that. I, I think you will be very inspired by it. With all that in mind, I want to introduce my guest. His name is Robert Jordan. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He has launched companies and helped other owners and investors build their companies for over 25 years. After founding the first internet coverage magazine in the world, Online Access, and landing on the Inc. 500 list for fastest growing companies, he sold the magazine and began taking on interim CEO gigs. High multiple company sales and IPOs followed. In 2007, he started an online network for interim executives around the world, expanding to 2,300 executives from 45 countries. He then co-founded Interim Execs, helping owners and investors with powerful leadership on demand through Interim Execs Red Team, and that stands for Rapid Executive Deployment. He's the author of the book, How They Did It, Billion Dollar Insights from the Heart of America, and his new book is called Right Leader, Right Time, which comes out in just a few weeks. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to unwrap during our show today. So here we are with my very special guest, Robert Jordan. Robert, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm honored. Oh, you're very, very welcome. So the first question I like to ask everybody is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are right now? Brian, uh, if I could divert us just for a moment, I'm sorry about the passing of your father. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I lost my dad a couple of years ago, and it's it it's it, it's tough. It is. It is. And I, I find that I am a lot more like him now than I ever used to be. And I vowed when I was growing up, I am not going to be like you. But I am, and I'm very, very grateful to have absorbed some of my dad's strong character qualities. And it's been a blessing, but I do miss him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, on to the question. Sorry, what was yes. the, your first question? How did I get here? Yeah. Yeah. How did you, how did you get here? What, what was the path like for you? 
it was quite a path. It, it in a way feeds into one of the core themes from the book that uh, we, we have coming out called Right Leader, Right Time, because I think I personify one of the modes um, very well, which is I'm, I'm highly creatively driven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, first, it, as you said, the first thing I did was I launched a uh, publishing company in a magazine and uh, I wasn't really sure why I thought there was a need for it, but I couldn't tell you exactly, you know, why that over, you know, a manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting over the years to see that, in fact, there there's more logic to the path than I initially would have thought. And that is a key thing, I think, with leaders who are successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what was your rock bottom or defining moment in your mind? Uh, which one? Um, the, w- when I launched online access, I was the ripe old age of 26 and the company went bankrupt after two years. Oh. That was the first moment. There's nothing like there's nothing like uh, where you have to lay off a staff and you want, I, I live in Chicago. The business was started in Chicago. There are federal courts in Chicago. And when you don't have anyone else to do it, there's nothing like having to fill out this paperwork and walking into federal court on your own with a list of assets and liabilities to file you know, for a company for bankruptcy. That was a defining moment. Wow. So how did you, how did you get through that and overcome that? Well, I held a pity party for about a week. Yeah. And uh, then, now understand, this was about five years before the commercial internet. Mm. There were commercial, there were online services, these things that were called CompuServe, Delphi, Genie. Mm-hmm. There were uh, dial, there were offerings for corporations. So there was a market for this, but it wasn't yet a consumer market. The World Wide Web had not yet started. So we had we had revenue that was already in the millions. We had subscribers around the world. The newsstand sales were great. There were advertisers. We just never made enough money. And Mm. I was too ignorant and naive to ever raise enough. And and so we went bust. But after the pity party, what I realized, not only did I have nothing else to do with my life, but what I realized was we had really put out a good product. And if maybe I tried not having so many assumptions about what I had to do, for example, I had an assumption that because we were a magazine sold around the world, but mostly in the U.S., I had to have a hundred thousand rate base, meaning mm-hmm. the the minimum guarantee for an advertiser. Mm-hmm. Well, we had no competition, so you know when I'm when I'm sitting there and just thinking to myself, I thought, well, why did it have to be a hundred thousand? No advertiser ever said that to me. Mm-hmm. So when I got I, I was successful buying the rights out of bankruptcy court. Um, and when I was getting back in business, I thought, well, forget it. It doesn't have to be 100000 Why don't we just go 25000 at the same rate? In other words, let's have a 400% increase in price and see if that works. Right. It did? It did? Yeah. My initial Good. assumption was just wrong. Wow. That's, that's absolutely amazing. So... Did you eventually sell this company? Yes, I I got it back on its feet uh, when the internet, you know, World Wide Web commercialized. It grew like crazy, as you said. It put me on the Inc. 500 list, and eventually I sold it 
as an asset to a big publisher in New York. Wow. So for anyone out there that might be looking to sell their company someday, what did you have to do to put yourself in a position to sell it? Because you know, you think about, oh, I want to sell my company for, let's just say, $100 million. But how do you set yourself up to do that? I don't know what your number was. I just pulled that out of the air. But what do you have to do to put yourself in a position to sell your company? Well, first of all, I would never say that that was some great celebration moment. Mm -hmm. I happened to be in something where we created a category and I thought, oh, gee, this is great. I have no competition. It turned out it wasn't so great because buyers and, and in publishing, magazine publishing, that means advertisers and, mm -hmm. and newsstand distributors, they had nothing to measure it against. Right. There and are no cops. Fact, what's that? There are no cops. Yes. And so, and so it, it was actually harder. The business grew much faster once there was competition. Yeah. But then it became hyper competitive. We all know what happened with mm -hmm. the internet bubble. And and more than that, it wasn't even the competition. It was so much information was going online. Why did you need to read about it in print? So my claim to fame was I was in a category of one, I owned it. Mm -hmm. It eventually exploded to 12 major competitors, many more uh, better funded than we were. And I think I was probably the only one to actually sell out for any cash as opposed to the rest of them going under. Wow. Wow. So when there are no comparable valuations to look at, how do you effectively assign a dollar value to something that unique? Because that's that's a very interesting challenge. Well, I my my later examples were better than that one. In the case in that case there, we were so well known mm -hmm. that when major competition came against us, all of the major competitors called us. Mm. And that's not usual for most people who have companies that eventually they want to sell, they have to be more proactive. This may sound good, but in a way it wasn't because these major companies were calling and it was a threat. It was, it was basically them saying, you better sell to us or we're going to destroy you anyway. It was not a, it was not a pleasant kind of hmm. way to go through the experience, but yeah. we had, we had these assets they wanted. And in that industry, you could value that there were, there were metrics on what subscribers are worth and what newsstand mm -hmm. sales are worth in advertising. Mm -hmm. It's wow. harder in a lot of other businesses, although if there are any public examples, for example, when SaaS started out, mm -hmm. you know, Salesforce was the first SaaS company. Mm -hmm. Well, that's hard to value, but now there are so many thousands of software as a service businesses out there. There are multiples you can see. Yeah, that's amazing. So there's less than two minutes to our first break. So I want to ask, what do you think it takes to become a successful entrepreneur? Uh, ignorance would be the first um, uh, power, I, I think, uh, a superpower, I, I would say. I, I see time and again, at least for myself, if you knew what all of the roadblocks were going to be, I, I think most people would either run in the opposite direction or try to take some kind of corporate job. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, that's very, very interesting. I think sometimes people wish they could see what would happen in a crystal ball. But I think there's a lot of wisdom in not seeing that, because just like you said, if you knew what was coming up, you might not even start. Well, <laughs> you, you know, for if I can turn this on you, Brian, I mean, you, you're incredibly successful doing this show. Yeah. Could you have seen at the outset that you would stack 
this many great interviews and this consistency? I had dreams about it, but I didn't have any idea that it would actually happen. And I did not have any idea that my business would evolve to where it is right now with a digital magazine, which is interesting that we're talking about this because I do have a digital magazine that's four years old now. I ghostwrite books for people. Uh, I coach people through writing their books. I, I help people. Uh, I just help people get their message out. And I had no idea that's what this would be when we got started. And it looks like we are coming up against our first break. This is Success Profiles Radio. We'll be right back after the break. Please stay with us. Don't go away. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's Did you know April is National Frog Month? Hey, I wouldn't make this up. Growing up in the country, my brother always had a frog or two in his pockets and liked nothing more than to toss one at me. What's the word for the fear of frogs? Batrachophobia. In Germany, frogs were once kept around the house as pets because they croaked loudly whenever the barometric pressure fell, signaling bad weather was coming. There are more than 4,700 species of frogs. Scientists who study frogs are called herpetologists. The name comes from the Greek word herpeton, which means something that crawls. Why are frogs so happy? Because they eat whatever bugs them. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Robert Jordan. And we're going to talk next about his company, Interim Execs. Uh, but first, if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please do that. Always looking for great reviews. And, oh, by the way, if you have Alexa and you'd like to listen just tell Alexa to play Success Profiles Radio and she will play the most recent episode. How cool is that? So, Robert, let me ask you about your company, Interim Execs. This is a company, if I understand it correctly, you provide companies with executive level leadership on demand until they can afford their own executives full time. Does that sound accurate? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's one use case. Okay, companies wonderful. show up because they're in crisis. They show up because there's fast growth. But whatever it is, there's a leadership gap. Mm, fantastic. Did discovering this niche surprise you? Totally. I I was, you know, as we were talking about before, I was early in the online world and it was a very small community pre 
World Wide Web. And I met someone and he had this weird job title, interim CEO. And mm. then he handed me his card and his card said he was the CEO of Yahoo. Mm. And in the industry, we knew Yahoo was going to go public on zero revenue, not zero earnings, zero revenue. Wow. And uh, I came home from that conference and I bought two domain names, interimceo.com and interimcfo.com. And, and I started doing gigs. Wow. Do you find that any of the people that you place eventually perhaps want to buy the company that they've become a part of because they see so much potential or does that not come up? That's a great question. It, it not only happens that someone will fall in love with it and want to buy it, uh, and sometimes they will want to stay permanently. Absolutely happens. That's fantastic. So let me ask you, what do you see as your overarching big mission? To provide accountable leadership to the world. That, that there is, there's a screaming need for this. Uh, it, it's not even our research. Gallup research is that 90% of leaders are in the wrong role. And we certainly see that a majority of leaders are, are not all that successful, I'll say. We've been approached by about 7,000 executives over a little more than a decade. And the majority of those people are, are not, not firing on all cylinders. Hmm. You know, that's so interesting. I think uh, when I was working for other people, I remember that the roles where I was the most miserable were roles where I wasn't being given the opportunity to operate in my superpower. I wasn't right. being able to operate in my zone of genius. And that role either wasn't available or they just they they just weren't interested in, in that. They just wanted to fill whatever role they had and they just wanted to hire people to fit that role. And eventually that's why I decided to just start doing my own thing because honestly, I, I didn't necessarily mind following rules, but the older I got, the more I realized that other people's rules are just stupid most of the time. <laughs> so I just wanted to set up my own boundaries and set up my own business and do what I love to do. And I don't have to say yes to everything. I've learned that and that's very important. You're bringing up a great point. What successful leaders, like successful people in general is, they reject that which is not for their highest and best use. You, you use the word superpower. In the book, we talk a lot about highest and best use. And the most successful leaders, they absolutely come to know and embrace what that is. Yeah, no, that's, that is absolutely fantastic. So let me ask you, why do you think some people achieve success and others don't? I mean, we've already talked about people not operating within their zone of genius or not being given that opportunity. What else do you think contributes to that? Well, most leaders, most leaders attempt to be all things to all people. And mm. whether that comes from a point of view of desperation or maybe in some cases because they have been so successful, it never, ever works. Many leaders don't focus. Many leaders, we, we call it hiding. They're not held to account. And many leaders fail to collaborate. And, and that, those are, that's the recipe for failing. You know, I love that you said they failed to collaborate because I think there is a Superman syndrome where people think they can just do it themselves. And I think that happens at their peril. I think the most successful people learn to collaborate. They understand that they can't do it themselves because there's only so much of them to go around. 100% true. Yeah, absolutely. So how important is it for you to have a mentor? 
Oh my God, I've I have a a succession of mentors. It's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with the uh, the person I was describing, who became the first CEO of Yahoo. His name is Philip Monigo. He he has been uh, one of my mentors ever since we launched Interim Execs to the point where. You, you know, we have these rock star executives around the world that, that we deploy, and we've created the Philip Monago Award for Excellence in Leadership. So I'm, I absolutely want to honor my mentors. Uh, if I can add, Brian, yes. the first book that I did um, was a book on negotiation called Start With No with uh, my business partner. He was the named author. His name is Jim Camp. And Jim absolutely is was uh, one of my uh, most wonderful mentors I've ever had. Wow, that's absolutely fantastic. Here's a question that I've started asking people fairly recently, and I'd like to get your take on this. What is the most expensive mistake you have ever made? It can be financial, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a time opportunity thing. It can be an energy thing. But what's the most expensive mistake you've ever made? The most expensive mistake... Well, for sure, one of the first, you know, what I had already described with online access, um, I had a million dollars from investors. And so that was both embarrassing and costly for everyone um, when the business went bust. Mm. But, you know, routinely, I'm not sure that any leader can be successful without making mistakes. I'll tell you an early one we made with interim execs which is we were doing various forms of advertising and I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn, but at the time they had a particular kind of program and it was costly. And I thought, you know, pedal to the metal, we're launching in various cities and we should just be throwing ad dollars at this. And it was an utter waste of money. Mm. I'm I'm not, I'm not denigrating advertising on LinkedIn now, but, Mm. but back when we were trying to figure this out, it was, it just poured money down the hall. Yeah, I certainly understand that. So let's talk about your new book. It's coming out in a few weeks. It's called Right Leader, Right Time. And the site for that is rightleader.com. So why did you decide to write this? We saw a pattern. Here we had this ringside seat where organizations were calling us because they needed leadership. And we were curating and screening and scoring and ranking executives from around the world. And we saw tons of of ways some leaders were not successful, but the successful people that we were placing into roles, we had this ringside seat. We'd be calling the company saying, how are they doing? And we'd be calling the executive or the team saying, how is it going? And we spotted this pattern of four distinct styles of leadership. We call them fixers, artists, builders, and strategists. Fabs for short. Mm. And we realized we need to write about this because we could probably help more leaders and more companies around the world more than we would be able to help ourselves. Absolutely. So when you talk about placing executives in a corporate opportunity, how do you match the right executive with a particular company? Well, that 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 is the key question. In our case, it's that you take 10 years Uh, screening executives and getting massive amounts of data coming into trusting relationships with this group we call red team and red team ready. And, and, you know, we got very good at uh, attracting companies. And so where possible, where appropriate, 
we would go through this matching process of an organization telling us what they need and then introducing them to somebody and and making that contractual relationship. Sure. Do you find that a particular type of leader is the best fit depending on what stage of growth a company is in? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that that is one of the key things that you have to do. Ultimately, at the level we're at, where we're dealing with these rock star executives, all of them have great resumes. Mm-hmm. Everybody has wonderful skills. That doesn't mean you're always going to be successful in our role as matchmaker because mm-hmm. chemistry is what it is. And, yeah. and so we never try to push people into roles and we never push organizations, you know, would say, oh, this is the, the person you have to take. We would never do that. Right, exactly. What else would you like to tell us about the book? Well, I hope that it is uh, something which which helps leaders to become better at their practice. Um, that's the entire purpose of it. Yeah, absolutely. So is there an assessment that you give to figure out which type of leader they are? Or how do you figure out who's a fixer, who's an artist, who's a builder, and who's a strategist? Uh, that, that's a wonderful, it's a wonderful leading question, Brian, because one of the things we are developing, we're in the process of developing, is something we call FAB's Leadership Assessment. FAB's, again, it stands for Fixer, Artist, Builder, Strategist. Mm-hmm. And so it is a way that someone can hopefully come to some better better understanding of what their dominant style of leadership is. Um, in our practice over the years, we had been doing all of this by hand. Yeah. We have a team and we would make our own internal evaluations and and that was it. I'll tell you that for the 80 leaders who we interviewed for the book, we had a series of questions that we were asking each of them. We didn't start out by telling them the premise. We didn't start any interviews saying, okay, we have this idea of their four styles. We didn't do that. Right. We were first asking questions because we had to be open to the fact we could be wrong. Um, I think it did prove out. We're certainly going to learn from the data from everybody filling out um, mm-hmm. this FAB's leadership assessment. But it's interesting the point at which we were asking, they're all highly successful leaders, mm-hmm. and we would say fixer, artist, builder, strategist. How do you, d- does that cause any reaction in you? I didn't mm-hmm. even want to say to them, what do you think you are? Right. Um, you know, it's it was not to pigeonhole anyone successful to say, hey, you can't be anything other than one. All great people yeah. are combinations. Sure. But there is a dominance. I already right. know, Brian, for you exactly. Well, I think I have an idea for who you are. But if I said to you, fixer, artist, builder, or strategist, what do you think your dominant style is? Ooh, I'm thinking artist. I completely agree with you. Fantastic. And we're coming up against the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Robert Jordan. The book is Right Leader, Right Time. Go to rightleader.com. You can also go on Amazon. That book will be available in just a few weeks. We'll be right back. Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? 
Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. My very special guest is Robert Jordan. He is the author of the brand new book, Right Leader, Right Time, which comes out in just a few weeks. You can go to rightleader.com to order the book, and I would be very happy if you did that. So, Robert, let me ask you, we all experience setbacks. Some of us are much better at rebounding after a hardship than others. What are some of the most effective ways that you can rebound from a setback? Well, if I can apply a lens here. Yep. Um, from from what we've learned in in right leader um it's interesting that there are different scenarios based on what your leadership style is mm. so for example brian for you and i i'm i'm strong artist type like you we tend to have a lot of rejection because yeah. if you're creative driven it's just the way it's going to be you're going to be throwing a lot of things out there they're not going to work yeah. And if, for example, you're wiring a strategist, you most likely are in a larger organization. You're more likely to be rising through the ranks. You're more likely to be cross-trained. And um, failing is not is is not looked upon very, very well, as opposed to, for example, in artist mode. And I would put Elon Musk in the same category, uh, Thomas Edison, Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. uh, the world celebrates failure, you know, Edison, whatever it was, 4,000 tries in the light bulb, 10,000. Yeah. Great. Elon, he can, he can fail every day and it's, it just adds to the color of his character. Yeah. You're rising inside a corporation and you're a great strategist. That's, that's not a winning uh, recipe. Yeah, no, I can, I can certainly understand and appreciate that for sure. So let me ask you, how do you think like a millionaire or a billionaire? Because you have to learn to think really, really big. So how do you train yourself to think that way? Well, if I could share one lesson, you know, prior to, to uh, Right Leader, Right Time, we uh, uh, published a book called How They Did It. This is back about 10 years ago, and it was a series of interviews with uh, incredible company founders who all started from scratch and and 
collectively the 45 interviews was $63 billion. Mm. And it included uh, people like the founder of Groupon and the founder of Morningstar. And I thought when we did the interviews, what we were going to hear was that it was kind of straight line success. I, I thought the book was going to just be, you know, whatever. What it turned out, though, was that most everyone who had achieved 100 million or billion dollar success in the valuation of their businesses had failed. And that it was never plan A, that there, it was always plan B or C or D. And, and I never, I, this sounds dumb, but I never saw it coming. And it absolutely is, is the case. I mean, I remember one story, there was a public company called Tomo Therapy. It was one of the original MRI technologies, you know, magnetic resonance. And when I interviewed the founder, uh, the company was worth a billion dollars. So I thought I was just gonna hear this rosy story. And he said that when they got started, their partner, backed out and they went from a full staff on lunch to firing everyone there. Oh. Now you understand as an interviewer, you don't want to be caught flat footed. I was completely flat footed. I, I right. had no idea how how did he get to be a public company yeah. if they had to fire all their employees on launch. Right. And, and he told me the story, but it was just it was the, the pattern was unbelievable for the number of of people who hit home runs that just kept going through failure after failure. And there was always, there was always a pivot going on. Always. They always pivoted. And that's so helpful because I think a lot of people get stuck in their particular way of making something happen. And when it doesn't, they get frustrated. They just give up. And I think yeah. what they forget to do is there are other ways there I mean, I could drive from Phoenix to Chicago. Uh, I could roll up to I-80 and go through Chicago that way. I can take I-40 to Amarillo, take 35 up or 75 or whatever. I mean, there are an infinite number, a lot, well, a lot of ways that you can get from Phoenix to Chicago. Just because you don't like one path doesn't mean that that's the only way you have to go. And I, I love that analogy. It, it's, it's the challenge is so, the challenge is for all of us, Brian. Yeah. There's to do anything, you have to be stubborn. You have yeah. to hold to what you believe is true. And everyone is gonna tell you initially, you're out of your mind. Yeah. And at the same, so so there's that one thing that says you must have that, that internal resolve. And then the flip side is, well, you better still be able to listen. Yeah. If not to your friends, then a marketplace, a customer, yeah. And if you keep hearing the same thing over and over, you better have enough flexibility to know there's a point where you may have to shift. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. I mean, I've I've been in I've been an investor or helped start dozens of companies. When we started interim execs, it's going back about 14 years, we had the completely wrong business model. Mm. We didn't go into it thinking, oh, we've got the wrong model. This is wonderful. We thought. The world is driven by search. Google is free. Therefore, mm -hmm. we will launch a free network. Yeah, that was totally wrong. That was we wasted three years of our lives over a million dollars and we were wrong. And mm. pivoting, as they say, you know, everyone is like, oh, you got to pivot fast. It was painful. Yeah, oh, you, I bet. we had to we had to sit one day and say, OK, we were wrong. Yeah. And what we thought was true just isn't. Yeah. Exactly. And we got past it, but 
I don't minimize what that pain is for people. Right. No, I totally understand. So let me ask you this. How do you spot a $100 billion business idea? Because again, we're talking about thinking really, really big. So how do you spot those opportunities? Boy, that's a great question. Um, I think you get something. I think this is part of, you know, one of the things we we noticed with what we call FABS leaders, right? Fixer, artist, builder, strategist. Yeah. Um, is this incredible ability to double down and double down again and again. And it's not easy. It means that you have to reject, you know, as we say, what's, what, is, what is not your highest and best use. And I think by doing that over a span of time, it comes into kind of your wiring, your DNA, that more and more intuitively, you can tell the difference between something that is going to be successful and something not. And it probably, I mean, you're making me think about this now, which is good, because it's probably another defining characteristic that the this unsuccessful trait of trying to be all things to all people, this Swiss Army knife approach, it keeps reinforcing itself for people in not necessarily ever getting to that level of intuition and instinct about what it is that would make for that $100 million idea. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing. So what are some of the most common mistakes that startups make? Well, we identified a lot um, um, from the book. One is not raising enough cash and, and therefore never having um, the runway that you should have. We didn't write about this a lot and how they did it, but because it was such a truism, but every founder we talked to talked about that you have to have the right people around you, it, it's just, it's totally true. And it, yeah. it kind of fed into this thinking why we saw collaboration was so important, um, right leader, right time, and that so many people failed because they don't collaborate well. The way one of the founders in how they did it put it, he said, what I was really good at doing is I picked the five, the first people who were going to join with him. He said those five people in turn, because they were really good, they had high standards. They each picked five people when his business took off. Mm. And so, so he pointed to that as, as that he had planted the seed and it, it led to success down the road. I can tell you another thing. It, it's funny. One of, one of the guys who created a half a billion dollar business, he said, you know, the first time I... I tried to start, I, I went halfway. Mm. said he tried to start a business alongside while he kept his full-time job. He had a day job. Yeah. And he utterly failed. Mm. And he said it only was the point where he quit his job and that, you know, he had this crossing, you know, Caesar crossing the Rubicon moment mm -hmm. that, that it would allow for him being successful. But again, these things are they they have pain associated with them because the yeah. level of risk is so high. Yeah. If you that, don't do that, you can't you you can't build a sizable business. You can't do right. it. Right. And that reminds me of people who go on Shark Tank looking for an investment in their company, and then they find out you're still working a full time job. Are you going to quit your job? I mean, why are you asking me for money now? It raises red flags, doesn't it? Completely. And this is why, you know, a lot of times you'll hear venture capitalists that if a founder shows up and say they have a parent company and, and they're, you know, pitching for a spinoff, 
the venture people don't want to hear that. They want to hear that that entrepreneur has has completely jumped in and has no safety net. Right. They don't want to know that, oh, it's okay if it doesn't work out, they'll just go back to the to the day job. Yeah. And yeah, and an investor doesn't want to hear that because now what happens to my money if you go back to your day job? I won't get it back. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. That's the, you know, it's the apocryphal story of Cortez, you know, Spanish invader of Mexico that right, he hit the beach and troops troops go off and he he uh, set the ships on fire. Yeah. And he said your your way home is your way forward. That's it. You're not going back to the ships. Yep. We've got less than 2 minutes to our final break. Let me ask, what are some commonalities between people who build massively successful companies? I think that they are very good at uh, collaboration. I think we, all of us who who are inspired by great leaders, they almost look like hood ornaments in a way. You know, that, oh my God, look at what this person did on their own. And that that's not the case. Uh, yeah. In a lot of cases, they really do have a sense of partnership um, internally. I think most great leaders are held to account. Yeah. I, I don't think they hide. And that's something I think, you know, if you want, we can talk about after the break, because a lot of people hide. They, they really don't want to be held to account. No, I, I certainly understand that. We've got less than a minute to the break. What are some of your favorite productivity tips real quick? Well, I think it's a great question and you do have to have good habits. I get up at the same time every morning and to, curl, to control my craziness, I meditate twice a day. I love that. Do you meditate? Uh, I pray, but I don't really meditate. I don't think I, I really- I call that, I, I think absolutely prayer and meditation are okay. coming out of the same intent. Yeah, they are. And so it, it's just an opportunity to get centered before your day starts. And so I love that. We are coming up against our final break. I can't believe how quickly this is going. My very special guest this week is Robert Jordan. He's the author of the book, Right Leader, Right Time. It's coming out soon. You can go to rightleader.com to pre-order the book right now. And you can do that while we're on a break if you really want to. And I'd encourage you to do that. We'll come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will come back shortly. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. know many doctors suffer from cacography or bad handwriting skills, but as a nurse, I can tell you they might need to pay a little more attention to what they write on a patient's chart. 
During the course of a long shift, oscillating doctors have unintentionally written some pretty funny things on patients' charts. I thought I would share a few of these bloopers with you. One doctor wrote, "The patient has been depressed ever since she began seeing me in 1983." Another doctor indicated that the patient refused an autopsy. One chart said that the patient was numb from her toes down. Another patient apparently stated that she had been constipated for most of her life until 1989 when she got a divorce. And my personal favorite, the patient was in his usual state of good health until his airplane ran out of gas and crashed. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and words you never heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have, and this show will clearly demonstrate the principles. If I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio, and here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Robert Jordan. He is the author of the upcoming book, Right Leader, Right Time. You can go to rightleader.com to pre-order the book right now. And if you have not subscribed to Success Profiles Magazine, you can go to successprofilesmagazine.com. The person who's on the cover is usually someone who's been on the show. We curate some of that content and we packages up, package it up in a shorter feature article. And I have a lot of contributing people who share their wisdom and their knowledge about a lot of different things. We are working on the February issue right now. I predict we will be done in the next seven to 10 days. So you can go to uh, successprofilesmagazine.com, pick your subscription option. The first seven days are only a dollar. How can you go wrong with that? Do that today. So Robert, let me ask you, and here's a question that I love asking people on my show. How do you know what to say yes or no to? Oh, you're talking, Brian, you're you're talking to a guy that, that helped author a book called Start With No. Um, yes, I know. <laughs> so, so the, I, I mean, the, the general thing in life, I would, I, I hope I'm a person who embraces um, who is a yes mm-hmm. um, to being open. I have found, though, that in my career and what what drove us, what we saw so clearly in, in Right Leader, Right Time was that successful people learn more and more how to reject politely, but but how to turn down um, that which they're not really that great at. When, you know, my partner, Jim Camp, when we were working on Start With No, um, it, it was very clear especially because most Americans tend not to be the greatest negotiators. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the, the title's a little bit pat, but it does stand for something. And, you know, to go back, Brian, to your prior question, you know, one of the big points from that book on negotiation is to have a mission and purpose. And yes. um, there is that broad sense of having a mission and purpose for your career, for your life, for your career, but most people go into negotiations and they have absolutely no clear sense of, of what their mission and purpose is in that negotiation for that particular deal or whatever it is. Um, they just go in blind. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. I love that. I love asking people about their core values because the most successful people I talk to have a very clear list of what their core values are. What are your top core values? I value integrity first and foremost, and I can give you a definition in the simple sense, which is, you know, the sense of wholeness and completeness to honor Mm -hmm. your own word. Mm. Um, So 
you know, the easy, everybody hears that and they're like, yeah, 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 sure, of course. Well, uh, let me give you an example. Uh, you, you and your producer said, this show starts, you know, on time, your case, yep. East Coast, 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. Well, my promise was, and, and that, you know, we're going to start a little early. My promise is I'm absolutely going to hit that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, a lot of job applicants these days, they either don't show or they show late. You'll hear all kinds of company owners who are frustrated, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a small promise. It's a little yeah. thing in a way you could say it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. but it does. If you give your word, you give your promise, you tell your friend you're going to be somewhere at six o'clock, be there. Mm -hmm. That yeah. is a small example of integrity. But frankly, I think it's the way we all work together. You know, when you're in a trusting collaboration, um, it's because there is a sense of integrity between yeah. them. Right. I completely agree. So how do you build a powerful network? There's, that's a great question, you know, and in the, the uh, pre-internet world and pre-LinkedIn, uh, of course, it was a completely analog answer of getting to know people. Mm -hmm. In a way, Brian, it's more challenging now because the combination of all forms of social media makes it so easy to assemble followers, mm -hmm. connections, and are they meaningful? Right. So I personally, I network is not nearly as much for me as a word connection, because usually if I'm using the word connection, I'm wondering, is it authentic? Yeah. I don't want to be in relationship, you know, for example, in business where it's a quid pro quo. Right. where the other person is only thinking, well, I better be helpful to Bob because then he will certainly help me or right. vice versa. I don't mm -hmm. think that is an authentic experience of being human. No, it's not. And the definition of giving for me is you are willing to help, love and serve without expectation of anything in return. And when you start having those expectations, it's gross. Completely, you're you're 100 percent right. And it, it reduces life to a transaction. Mm -hmm which is meaningless for all of us. I don't care how commercially minded you are. That is an empty, it's an empty concept. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. So gratitude is a very popular topic on this show, mostly because it's one of my favorite topics. And so we talk about this a lot. How important has gratitude been to your journey? I, you know, it's wonderful. You're bringing up the word gratitude. One of our executives, he ran a LinkedIn post at Thanksgiving a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. And he just wanted to thank everyone who had helped him on his career journey. Mm -hmm. I thought it was the most wonderful thing. I had seen someone right on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I started to do that. I'm embarrassed, but I'll tell you, I'm still not done with the list. Hmm. Because there were so many people, for example, I mentioned a mentor, Philip Monago, who was the reason that I got into this business and that we were able to start interim execs, I'm incredibly mm -hmm. grateful to him. I'm grateful to Jim Camp because he taught me how to negotiate. And I think I gave back in, in friendship as well because he never thought of doing a book. And it took me two years to convince him yeah. uh, to that we should go do a book. We joked about it that for two years he said no to me, mm. which was okay. Um, uh, but I think it is core. I think it is core for all of us if you're gonna have an authentic life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
How important is taking action quickly? Yeah, I, I you're talking, you know, there's a profile called Colby, K-O-L-B-E, which I love. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have not. There is, have you heard of it? No. Well, it, it's an interesting, it is a profiling style. It's the in, instinctive, intuitive way you you do work. And like our fabs styles, there are four styles. That's a, Colby is a heavily validated profile. And I am a, a, a type that is called quick start. So <laughs> you're preaching to the converted. If yes. you're talking about somebody who, who believes in taking action, my partners might say I'm, I'm probably, a, I can sometimes be a little too fast off the mark, mm. but I'm not a fan of too much study and research analysis. I think especially for entrepreneurs, right. I know you talk to a lot of mm -hmm. folks who are company founders and, and dreaming yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, you have to get past all of these, could I, should I? and simply right. try it. And that, mm -hmm. that first point is, go talk to someone who could be your customer. Right. That's how you'll figure out if you're onto the right ideas. Will someone actually pay you for the thing, the product or service that, that you think is valuable? Right. And I think taking action fast, it, it's something that I'm learning to do more and more, but as I sit here and think about it, there are times where that window of opportunity is not open for very long. And if you sit on it for too long, the opportunity is gone, someone else has seized it and done something amazing with it. And you're sitting here thinking, oh, why didn't I? Why didn't I do this? So you, you can't be stuck inside your own head and be a successful entrepreneur. So let me ask you this. We've got about four minutes until the end. Mastering the mental game is absolutely critical. What do you do? to do that for yourself? Well, it wasn't a shortcut, but I had to get very good at being rejected. Mm. I don't know if that's a function of being more artist leader driven or because I've always been attracted to startups, but they're just, there's some point at which you get enough callous. Um, you come to understand that when you're trying something and it doesn't work, it's just an experiment. Look at it like you're a scientist. It was just an mm -hmm. experiment that didn't work as opposed to viewing something as personal rejection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic. What has surprised you about entrepreneurship? Well, I think there's a wonderful sense of freedom that comes from uh, being an entrepreneur, but there is the flip side, which is, you know, all of that vast freedom if you cannot create your own structure, it, it's just going to be terrifying or it's too open-ended. Mm -hmm. I think we each, we all of us need to figure out the structure around us and that gives us a rational approach to whatever we're doing. Great. Two minutes until the end. The question I like to ask everyone, Robert, who inspires and motivates you? Well, for sure. You know, I've talked about a couple of my mentors, Philip Monago and, and uh, Jim Camp. Brian, I think you're inspiring. I, I think what you've done, you, you are walking the talk, your consistency in terms of being a champion for, for entrepreneurship. You're inspiring, man. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So once again, the book is called Right Leader, Right Time. You can go to rightleader.com. Uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Well, you know, I love, uh, I love hearing from new people, and we certainly want to hear what people have to say about what we've written. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's funny to come out with a book now. You think you do something and it's written in stone. 
But at the same point, I think there's the other side, which is being open to everybody's reactions and ideas to make it better. It used to be, I mean, Brian, I know you've done a lot of books and it used to be you come out with it and you feel like you've delivered the Ten Commandments and you're done. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way the modern world is, right? Yeah. You come out with a book like this and you're really just at the starting point. Absolutely. So, I appreciate that. So, Robert, thank you so much for being here. It was great having you here. And uh, I do appreciate all the wisdom that you shared with us today. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Absolutely. And once again, you can go to rightleader.com to order Robert Jordan's new book, Right Leader, Right Time. It's coming out in just a few weeks. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us next week uh, at Monday at 6 Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Until then, have a great week, everyone. Be good to yourself. Love yourself. Forgive yourself for any bad choices you've made and move forward That's what successful people do. That's how winning is done. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.